I pray you do, Colossians chapter number 3. Here we are reading. Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse number 1. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Amen. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. You know, the old saying is is that someone can become so heavenly minded that they are of no earthly good. Of course, it's apparently a statement that has existed for a long period of time, and I suppose that we know individuals who have been that way. They just seem to have their head in the clouds. They don't seem to be focused on anything. They just seem to to think about something else, And, and this statement has been around for a long time. In fact, I have a a Bible background commentary, it's called, and the guy that wrote it, a guy named Craig Keener, has said this about this verse. He said, many people in Paul's day believed that the heavenly realms were pure and eternal in contrast to the temporal and perishable world below. Philosophers in Paul's time had become known for meditating on heavenly things, and so much so that many repeated the joke about who fell into a ditch because he was staring at the heavens. And again, like I said, well, I'm sure we have known individuals who seems to have their head. But I wonder if true in light of what here in Paul's letter to the Colossians. Just by way of review, we remember we're with us in the fall. Superior. Christ is greater than any false god or religion that is out there in this world. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, we read where Christ is the Through him and for him. Of course, Christ things and in him all things hold together. Paul has been laying out in this book, if you've been with us, the idea that Christ is superior. He is greater. He is far above any other power, ruler, or authority in heaven. And on earth, 
Furthermore, we're told here in Colossians that when we place our faith in Christ, we are to live and walk in him. We're to be rooted and grounded and built up in Christ, and we are not to give in to false religions, false ways of worshiping Christ. But of course, this does not mean that we accept Christ and we live any old way we want to. The purpose of following Christ, the purpose of giving our lives to Him is so that He might change our lives and make us into the people that we were truly created to be. And this is what we want to look at this morning. This is, of course, the first Sunday the new year, and I want you to ask yourself, I mean, actually, it's the second Sunday. I should have edited my notes, but it's our first Sunday together. <laughs> I want you to ask yourself, am I, am I living the life that God has created me to live? Am I living the life that Christ has really purposed and created for me to live? You see, when we notice these first four verses here, in Colossians, we first of all notice that there is a present, a present reality that is stated. A present reality. We notice the apostle says, if then you have been raised with Christ. Your translation, your Bible may say, since then you have been raised with Christ. Or therefore, since you have been raised with Christ. Paul is introducing a, a new section, a new line of thought here, and he is telling us that in light of what he has explained to us in these first two chapters, this first section of the book, there is something that he wants you to do. There is something he wants you to think about. And what is that something that he has explained to us? He has explained this, this present reality, this reality that is expressed in these three verses. Three different statements. The first one is here in verse 1 where Paul says, we have been raised with Christ. Verse 3 contains the second two statements that convey this reality, and that is this, we have died. Third reality is this, our life is now hidden with Christ in God. What is Paul saying? What does he mean by these statements? He is explaining to us, expressing to us, what happens when we accept Christ as our Savior. All right, now Paul has mentioned these before. Colossians 2 verse 13, you who are dead in your trespasses, the uncircumcision of your flesh, God has made alive together with him. He has forgiven us all our trespasses. Go further in verse 6, he says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Okay, he not only explains in Colossians, but also in the book of Romans, Paul says the exact same thing, so to speak. He says in Romans 6, verses 1 and 2, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who die to sin still live in it? 
Okay, Paul is explaining this reality, the reality that when you give your life to Christ, as he says in Corinthians, the old has passed away and the new has come. We are a new creation. When we accept Jesus Christ by faith, our old nature dies. Our old self dies. The, the person that we once were, yes, you, you got up from praying and receiving Christ and yes, you had red hair before you prayed and you had red hair after you prayed. All right, you may have weighed 150 pounds or 200 pounds or whatever when you, when you came to the altar and accepted Christ and when you got up and you left, you were still the exact same way. But the reality is when you gave your life to Christ, something new happened to you. Your old nature, your old person has passed away and you have been raised with him in newness of life, and now your life is hidden with him. Your life now belongs to Christ. You are not your own. You have been bought with a price, and now this life that you live, you live as a participant of the reality of what Christ has done in you. That's what we meant when we sang that song, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, it now lives inside of us. The very same power, Paul tells us in Romans 8, that raised Christ from the dead lives and quickens and changes our mortal bodies and he has made us new. That's why Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ in Galatians chapter 2. And crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Okay, yes, I am still here on this earth. Yes, I am still feeling the, the pain and the aches of this body. Yes, I still go through times of hunger and, and weariness and all on and so on, like you do every person that is alive does. But the reality is it's no longer me. My selfish desires, my selfish will, my selfish ambition, it is Christ now who is living inside of me in the life that I'm living. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul is telling us here, if or since you have been raised with Christ, if you have received Christ as your Savior and He is now Lord of your life, there is a new reality in you. And that reality is that your old nature has died, Christ has been raised in your life, and you are now living a life that is not your own but belongs to Christ. And of course, this begs the question, are you actually raised with Christ? Have you been born again? Have you accepted and, and received Christ as your Savior? Do you know what it is to say, I have confessed Him as Lord of my life and repented of my sins, and now I am a new creation? If you have not done that, today is that day. 
Amen. Now is that time. This is that moment. Right where you are, right while I'm preaching, you can simply bow your head and pray and ask Christ to come into your life. And if you will do so, He will make you new. In a moment, in an instant. Okay, this can be your present reality. Okay, and it's important to recognize this. It's important to recognize that this is our reality. Okay, it's important to understand this is who we are. You are not your own. You do not belong to yourself. You are not a free individual, unshackled, unburdened by anyone and everyone in this life. It is important to understand this reality because... The next point that we have for you this morning, we have a present reality. And secondly, we have a powerful imperative. A powerful imperative. The word imperative, of course, simply means command, a plea, a directive, an order. Okay, this is what we have in this section. Paul says again, if you have been raised with Christ, okay, this is your reality that you are raised with Christ, that you are a new creation. What are you supposed to do in light of that reality? We were out yesterday, last yesterday evening, and parked our car. In light of the fact that we spent too much money on that car, light of the fact that the government of Pennsylvania has sent us a nice little green piece of paper that says that car belongs to us. light of the fact that we have keys that hopefully only work in that car and someone else doesn't have keys that work in that car. Although if you do, feel free to take it. It's unlocked. <laughs> Let me know so I can file a claim with the insurance company. In light of these things, when, when we went to go and head back home, guess what we did? We got in our car, which is a good thing because Mary was at Weiss's some time ago and the guy was out getting carts and he said, man, you might want to lock your door because I just saw another guy get into your car and try to start it. Then he got out and got into his silver caravan, which was the same kind. It's amazing how many people have them. Paul is telling us, this is your reality. You have been raised with Christ, so what am I to do? The very next phrase, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Paul gives us one command. He states in two different ways, but the command is really the same thing. Seek the things that are above. Set your mind on on things that are above. To seek is to to pursue, to desire, to, to look after. To set your mind is the idea of thinking about, concentrating, focusing on. 
What is it that your, your mind, your heart, your desires are set on if you are a new creation, if you are died or, or have died with Christ and risen with him in newness of life? There is one thing your mind is to be set on and that is the things that are above. Like I said, it's important to understand these imperatives. In light of this last point, we do not set our mind on things that are above in order to gain salvation, in order that God might love us and care for us. In order to be born with Christ, we don't first set our mind on things above. That's probably what it means to be too heavenly minded. Rather, we set our mind on things that are above because, because we have been born again. Our obedience to this imperative flows from our present reality that we are raised with Christ, that our lives are hidden with Christ in God. If then, since then, because of this reality, because of what Christ has done in your life, you now should have your desires, your affections, your goals, your ambitions, your dreams. They should be focused on things that are above, not and things that are of the earth. And we have to ask the question, what what does Paul mean by the things that are above? What are these things? Okay, because we use this word things and we think of possessions. So, So when you leave church this morning, hopefully you are going to take your things with you. And of course by that I mean your coach, your Bible, your purse, your phone, whatever. If you leave it here, it's fair game for me, which is why some of you haven't gotten anything back yet. It's lost a couple years ago, probably because it's candy and I ate it, but whatever. Probably returned everything else. But, but really, what, what, what are we talking about? We're talking about things. It's not, it's not like something that we can hold or possess, but it's the ultimate reality, the reality that is, There is something more out there that there is something greater. One commentator that I read defined heavenly things by saying that they are set out in Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. Paul says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Paul is not saying that you you can't think about your car or your house and you now have to think about a, a crown and glory or something like that. No, Paul is telling us whatever is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely, this is what you are to be thinking about. Verse 12 of this chapter Paul says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy, beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. What are these things that are above? They are the values, the treasures that Christ displays in his life things that are pure, things that are lovely, hearts of compassion, hearts of kindness, 
humility, meekness, patience, all of these things are what we are now to pursue in light of the fact that Christ has changed our lives. In fact, another commentator said this, which I'll have put on the screen here, which you might want to write down. Believers seek the things above by deliberately and daily committing ourselves to the values of the heavenly kingdom and by living out of those values. Things that are above the treasures, the values, they're so different than this world, but they display, they display someone whose life is truly hidden with God in Christ. In other words, the values, the mindset that you see displayed in the life of Christ as he walked here on this earth, as he was our supreme example, these are the things that we should pursue in our lives. Jesus gives us an example, and a few examples, I should say, in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, he says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, look, when you, when you run around and you want to let everybody know that you are a righteous, wonderful, good person, fine. God's not going to honor and look at it, but, but what, what do we do? Jesus goes on to explain when you, when you give, you don't need to let your right hand know what your left hand is doing or your left hand know what your right hand is doing, however he says it. And it's kind of impossible for me not to know, my left hand not to know that I wrote out my check this morning, but, but when we stand up here and we, we let everybody know, hey, just want you to know I'm giving $2 million to the church, and if you did this morning, thank you, thank you. Let me shake your hand. Hey, everybody, look at how much I am giving. Look, look what I am doing. Jesus says when you pray, you don't need to stand in public and impress everybody. You know, we have people that do that in churches. Hopefully it's becoming less and less common, but and they pray out loud, they pray in public. For some reason, they think they need to pray in King James English. And just want you to know, you don't have to do that, okay? You don't have to say, thou greatest God, Deus, Dias, whatever. You're okay. Everyone can see your eloquence, okay? Everybody, everybody knows that you've read a King James Bible. It's fine. It's not to say you don't pray out loud, but be yourself. Be yourself. Pray from your heart. Don't let, don't let the world know that you're fasting. Don't let, don't let everybody know, Jesus says, when you, when you fast, you don't walk around, you know, and you're standing there at the front door of the church thinking, oh, I wish somebody would just open the church door. It's too heavy, and, and maybe I better take the elevator because I can't navigate those five stairs. I'm fasting. Fasting. What's that old joke that you know somebody does CrossFit or goes to Harvard University, how do you know that they do? Because they tell you. 
That's the way some people are. They, they're, they're quick to let everybody know, hey, hey, I'm fasting. Look at me. I, I can't hardly stand to sing in church. Point is, Jesus says you're doing it for worldly acclaim and applause. You're doing it to be seen by others. Meanwhile, those who are pursuing the heavenly things, they, they fast, they pray because they want to be close to God. They want God to change their heart and their life. They give because they want to be obedient to Christ. They want to see His work spread around the world and the preaching of the gospel and the work of missions. And we could probably stretch this out a little bit further. What do you do when you turn on the news and do you see devastation and destruction and panic, pestilence and whatever else? Do you get angry? Do you become fearful? You sit there and say, this would never happen if so-and-so was president. Do you lift your eyes and say, Lord, I grieve. I'm angry the injustice of this world, but I know that you are in control. You are Lord of this earth. And there is not one square inch of the universe where you are not in control of. What about our relationships? Do we see another person, maybe even a person here today, as a person that we can use or take advantage of, person that is only there to serve our ends, it's only there to further our lives? Or do we see each and every person here as a person created in the image of God, a person who is deserving of love and respect, treating as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so many times our co-workers, even our relatives, our family members, they're nothing that, more than, than someone that we can take advantage of, someone that we can use in our life, and we don't understand that that person that we want to badmouth, that person that we want to get angry at, that is a person who was created in the image and likeness of God and that Jesus Christ gave his life for. We could go on, but we notice we notice the things that are above are the things where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, Paul says. The right hand of God is a way of extreme, expressing strength, power, and favor. It's a place of authority and power. Christ is over all the other powers and authority in the spiritual realm as, as you see in chapter 1 again. And if we are in Christ, why? Why do you want to focus on things that don't matter? Things that are defeated. Things that are going to fall apart in the end when we can have our mind and our heart centered on the one who is truly Lord and God of all the earth. Say, so how do I do this? 
Well, go back to our first point. You have to be born again. You have to be a new creation. You have to be a new person. If you have not made that choice, you need to do that now. Fact of the matter is, if you are not a Christian, then this tug will be at your heart. And you can count to ten, you can walk away from any situation, you can develop all these virtues in your life, but they will never change your life. Only Christ can do that. But then you have to do what Philippians 4.8 again tells us to do. Focusing our minds, setting our minds on what is good, lovely, and true, and just, and so on. It comes through the renewing of our minds in the Word of God, spending time in the Word of God, hearing the Word of God preached in church, singing in the Word of God. Look at Colossians 3.16. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you, richly teaching, admonishing in all, in one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. We don't just sing because... You all couldn't stand to listen to me for an hour and a half, although that's probably a good reason because I don't know if I could listen to me. We do because it focuses our mind on Christ, focuses our hearts on Christ. It focuses our life on Christ. When I, when I come in this morning and I'm cold and I'm tired and I, I didn't sleep well last night and I ate too much pizza and whatever else and not feeling the best and all of a sudden I come in and, and I hear that. I believe in a wonder, a miracle power working God. I probably should have wrote down the words before I said this. I believe in a God who can do the impossible. All of a sudden I'm reminded, yeah, things may not be the greatest like I want them to be in my life, but still there is an awesome God who's on my side. And His Spirit lives inside of my heart. This is a struggle. It's a struggle for all of us. Here we are at the beginning of a new year and some of you have made the determination you're going to get into the Word of God this year and start it out good. I mean, it's, you know, it's good to start it on January 1st because most of us aren't working so we can get up late, enjoy a cup of coffee, and enjoy life. But then you had to get up, finish shoveling snow last Monday, and then it rained 45 feet or whatever it did Tuesday. You had to pump water out of your basement. Now you're struggling and those idiots driving down 33, which again you shouldn't be saying because your mind has been renewed in Christ. <laughs> those wonderful people are, are now, they're just, they drive, the worse the weather is, the worse they drive. What do you do? But you've made the right step in coming this morning. You don't give up. You don't quit. You continually focus your mind. You continually fix your mind upon Christ again and again. And someone told me the other day that they'd read the Bible through last year. It's good to hear. I'm glad to hear that. Guess what you need to do this morning? Start over again. Well, I've read it all. 
Yeah, I know. And we, we act like it's a library book. I read it and then I turn it back in. I never look at it again. No, we are to become new daily, renewing, fixing our mind, fixing our hearts. And then when we leave church this morning, let those song, that song that's resonating in your mind right now, let it, let it resonate in your mind throughout the day. Sing it to yourself. Well, I can't sing like Bonnie or Diane or Mary. Guess what? I can't either. Do what I do. Hide in a closet and sing it where nobody can hear it. <laughs> Let it change your life. Paul says if you are in Christ, you need to live. You need to live in light of that present reality. You need to follow this command. So we have a present reality, a powerful imperative. Finally, finally a precious promise. Precious promise, Paul. Lays out where we are. We're risen with Christ. He's given us command in light of where we are. We had to set our mind, to fix our mind on things that are above. And now look at this precious promise. Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with him. You also will appear with him in glory. When we live in this present reality, we orient our mind towards this reality. Even though we may not fully understand or realize or see it all now, the fact is one day we will see the full manifestation of the light that is to come. We will see Christ in all of his glory and all of his beauty and we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he truly is. And we will tell the world, Life we have chosen. And again, your, your co-worker probably doesn't understand it. What do you mean? You can have that promotion. All you have to do is step over that person, stomp them, crush them down, and, and the job is yours. And you say, that is not the way I choose to treat another person. I don't understand it. One day they will. One day they will see him and they will see you with him. The world is focused on things that don't matter. A few teams are out there trying to win the Super Bowl trophy. The rest of them are thinking, what can we do next year? News came out a few weeks ago, the Los Angeles Dodgers spent $700 million dollars on one player. If that's you, please tithe. In fact, 20%, all right? People are at the gym thinking, this is the year I am going to get in the best shape of my life. People, no doubt, this last week have met with their financial advisors, have met with their employees, have sent out resumes, all thinking, I am going to make this year different. I'm going to be financially independent. I'm going to finally pursue that job I want. By the way, there's nothing wrong with any of that. If you need someone to help you, call you, hold you accountable, 
come to your house and eat all your Twinkies so that you don't have to eat them. Call me. I'm your person. <laughs> eat all your ice cream. Nothing wrong with that. But this is your all-consuming passion. It's clouding your vision. It's changing your mind. It's consuming your life. You have your mind set on the wrong thing. It's time to turn our eyes on something better, something greater. There's an old hymn, a powerful hymn. We're going to sing a version of it, a different version of it, whatever. Written by a lady named Helen Limmel. She was born in 1864, and she moved to the United States around the age of 12. And she was known from a young age for her musical ability. 1907, she moved to Germany to undergo intensive music training. There, she met her husband. Returned back to America in 1911. There in America, she faithfully served the Lord dedicating herself to writing, arranging, teaching songs and hymns of the faith. A few years after their return, tragic illness took hold of Helen. She lost her vision. Her husband did not want to care for a blind wife and he left her. This time of hurt and loss weighed heavenly upon her. In 1918, someone read to her a pamphlet written by an Algerian missionary, or a missionary to Algeria, I should say, named Lilius Trotter. Lilius Trotter was again a well-known artist who had given up a rising and lucrative career to serve the Lord on the mission field. Her words stirred the heart of Helen Limmel. She, She writes, suddenly as if commanded to stop and listen, I stood still and and singing in my soul and spirit was the chorus of this hymn that we're going to talk about. This chorus with not one conscious moment of putting word to word to make rhyme or note to note to make melody. The verses were written that very same week. What is this? What are these words? What is this hymn? The words that Lilius Trotter had written, said these, how do we bring things to a focus in a world of optics? Not by looking at the things to be dropped, but by looking at the one point that is to be brought out. Turn full your soul's vision to Jesus and look, look at him. And a strange dimness will come over all that is apart from him. And the divine attrait, which is a French word for attractiveness, by which God's saints are made will lay hold of you. For he is worthy to have all there is to be had in the heart that he has died to win. The song that Helen Limmel said came out of her When she heard those words, is that him, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim. The light of his glory 
and grace. Are you tired, weary, hurting, confused, frustrated? Turn your eyes back to Christ. So what did Helen do with her life? She continued to serve God. Led a women's choral group for many of the Billy Sunday outreaches. Taught music at Moody Bible Institute. She penned over 400 hymns. A woman who was blind, a woman who was abandoned, and yet a woman who had her focus not on the things of this earth, but on that which really matters. Turn your eyes back to Jesus. What a better way to start a new year than to look back to him. I don't know what this year is going to hold, but I know with my heart focused on him, I know I'm going to make it. I know that if my Kansas City Chiefs don't win the Super Bowl, it's going to be okay. I know if my Kansas City Royals don't win 80, 90 games, it's going to be okay. I know if my stock market portfolio crashes, I know that God is going to still be on the throne, supplying my each and every need. I know if my life falls apart, I'm still his. Let's focus our eyes upon him this morning and keep our eyes turned to him no matter what comes away, no matter what's going on in the news that you're going to turn on your phone at the church and it's going to be some kind of alert telling you the world is falling apart. Focus your heart on him. Things of this earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glorious and grace. No better way to do that than to come to the table of the Lord. And worship team, why don't you come this morning? And ushers, if you want to come and prepare. And Donna, group, if you wouldn't mind helping us out with communion this morning, that would be great. We're going to take communion, celebrate the table of the Lord. Focus your heart your mind, your attention on him. And turn to him and look to him. See the beauty of the one who died for your sins. And realize that in him is all that you need. If you're here today and you know Christ is your savior, you're welcome to join us. We don't have a membership requirement for communion. We just want you to be a believer in Jesus Christ. If you are, you're welcome to partake. If not, I challenge you as they sing and as they come around and pass out the communion elements, make that choice. Accept him into your heart. Let him change your life. Amen. He will do it today. Father, speak to us. As we draw near to you, as your presence fills us, touch our lives. Help us to remember you are the one prize that is worth cherishing and keeping above all. Let us do that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead, sing if you